Hey there, my name is Ricky Smith, and I'm the founder of Random Acts of Kindness Everywhere, a nonprofit that simply does exactly what it says, promote kindness everywhere. We know the world is crazy right now. If you are searching for a podcast that has a deeper conversation about race, my co-host Angel Gray and I will be discussing everything going on right now on our podcast, Random Acts of Podcast, on Blue Wire Podcast Network. To find out more, go to rakenow.org. Enjoy the show. And we're back. This is TKW draft season, a mini series. Well, I think we're a little past the mini series at this point. We're, uh, I think we earned our own keep as their own series. Either way, we're presented by the Knicks Wall Podcast, which is a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Make sure to follow Blue Wire on Twitter at Blue Wire Pods. Make sure to follow the Knicks Wall at the Knicks Wall on Twitter. Joining me today, as always, my two loyal co-hosts. First, the Flex Queen of TKW. Jess Reinhardt. Jess, what is up? What's going on, man? I'm over here flexing while no one can see me. <laughs> Nick Carante is also joining us. Nick, how's it going? Today's my last day of school. I'm starting summer and I'm, I'm happy to be on. Oh, I miss those days, the countdown to summer vacation. It's, it's just as good as a teacher, too, I'm telling you. <laughs> I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it. And a special guest today, coming from Melbourne, if I'm not mistaken listener of the pod and a freelance writer in australia ned o'brien ned what is up not too much mike thanks for having me on the show i don't know happy you reached out so the reason we have ned on beyond his basketball prowess is we are today's episode is gonna stray away a little bit from what we've talked about in recent pods which is the lottery and just prospects overall we're going to talk about the NBL. It's the league LaMelo Ball played in and RJ Hampton this year. And until the G League recently snagged up Jalen Green, it became a truly viable option for players coming out of high school that needed to go in that weird in-between phase as they waited for the draft. And it was a good outlet. So I wanted to bring that on. And Jess and Nick are also more familiar with the NBL. So I just wanted to get their feel on the league as a whole. So my first question to you guys once this pandemic weirdness is over and people can start traveling again, do you think the MBL is going to stay an outlet for high schoolers to go before the draft? I mean, I, I think it should. Um, I think, I mean, the MBL for those who haven't watched it. Um, and you know, a lot of this had to do with LaMelo and RJ choosing to go there, but they did an awesome job of making the games really, um, readily available to watch, even though obviously with the time change that that was a little difficult, but I mean, a ton of games were on Facebook. Um, and that's where I watch most of the games off of it. I'm pretty sure. And the, the competition is just, it's great. I mean, if you're not going to go, to like a G League or something like that. I, I, I mean, I think that the competition of the NBL is is high up there. Yeah, I would say I, I agree with Jess pretty wholeheartedly. 
I do think a little bit depends on what ends up happening with, with the G League. I mean, Jalen Green is is going to the G League, but not really, right? This His team, the LA Select team, is going to be unaffiliated and, and not, you know, directly related to any team in the NBA. So is that going to be an option for everybody? And if if not, I do think the NBL is a, is a fantastic option. I, I do think it is impressive and important for prospects to be able to play against the, the best competition. And I, I am a firm believer that, you know, the NBL and, and the EuroLeague are better adept at showing what you can do against, you know, full-grown men and then playing even at the highest of college basketball. I'd have to say um, I think it all, like Nick said, it depends on the J-League and what happens there and whether that's a success and whether prospects will follow. But I think really LaMelo and RJ both paved the way and sort of showed that you can come down to the NBL and um, actually raise your stock compared to you've seen in past people like Terrence Ferguson come down and he didn't really do much. But it's a, it's an expanding league. We saw the ninth team introduced this season and then by 2021 we'll have a tenth team down in Hobart and Tasmania to the south. So um, I think there'll be more opportunities for players to do what Melo did and sort of lead a team and um, be, be, be the main centrepiece. So when was this league founded? Since there's only nine teams and I kind of like that where it's less teams just so it's easier to follow, but one could say the competition level might not be up there so how is the competition level now like besides Lamel and RJ I know the Pelicans have a draft pick Didi Luzada who's also from the NBL coming over next year so it's obviously has talent I just want to know what do you think it stacks up compared to maybe the G League or even college Uh, in comparison to college I think it's a better uh, maybe not the top two teams better competition but I think um, you play a 28-game season, I think you face better opposition on a more regular basis than you would in college where you sort of play maybe only really competitive and high-level games toward the end of the season. And with the Euro League, um, I think that's probably that's the top-tier league outside of the NBA. Um, you know, there's the Spain League, ACB, which is where we plucked KP from and Willie all those years ago, and then LNB Pro A in France, where Frank's from, and the Adriatic League might be a bit of a weird one, but a lot of talent came out of there in the 90s with Tony Kukoc, Vlade, and Grozan Petrovic. And then the Greek League, um, surprisingly, Giannis didn't come from there. He came from the fourth division. And then uh, something like Italy, where we pulled Gallo from all those years ago as well. So uh, there's a vast array of leagues over there, and they're all pretty competitive, and which all culminates in the Euro League. But I still think the NBL holds its own, and um, it's a better place to go than somewhere like China. And I think the European market is just undervalued. I'm, I have a feeling it's finally coming up, but like you, you rattled off all those players, and a lot of them are my favorites. And Luca, probably being at the top of the list, where he was playing since 16 in the Euroleague, and the transition felt almost seamless. So I want to transition that to Lamelo and RJ. Did you see any rough, I guess, rough patches from them? Like, did you see anything that could trans? that won't translate immediately to the NBA, or do you predict that they would have something similar to Luca's transition where that one year in the NBA really got them prepared versus a college kid who was used to beating up on smaller schools first, and especially now with the tournament canceled, they didn't really get to face the top-tier talent in succession like previous prospects. Uh, 
Um, well, I think Lamelo might have an easier time than RJ as he sort of he had the ball on his hands a lot more than RJ did, and I don't think their situations were comparable at all. Where RJ sort of slid in um, into New Zealand, where it's a very veteran-heavy team, um, and he was sort of playing as a sort of like Frank does sometimes, where he's a, a secondary playmaker, secondary ball handler, but. Um, in terms of things translating and not, I think yeah, the biggest issue, obviously, as is we've all become aware, is Melo's jump shot. But I think aside from that, um, they've both got a lot of NBA-ready skills and some of the percentages for both of them mightn't be flattering, but there is hope still among um, the GMs and the scouts that um, their problems are fixable. I want to get to RJ Hampton because Lamelo, we know pretty well, even before his MBL days, so I just want to get – Jess and uh, Nick, were you guys able to watch RJ as well? Because I know Ned has. Um, I definitely didn't see him as much. They were definitely hyping up Mellow a lot, like for the Facebook games and stuff like that. Um, like Ned said, like I'm pretty sure it was a veteran-heavy team that RJ went on. And um, I'm trying to pull up – his stats right now but um i think and he got injured too right ned am i making that up no he missed about six weeks and it was unfortunate for him because um new zealand's like go-to scorer and our most ball dominant player was sent off and loaned out to china while rj was injured so it would have been a really good opportunity for him to handle the ball more but unfortunately that didn't happen right yeah so that that definitely didn't help, and be, I think because of that injury, like I just did not see him as much. <clears throat> yeah, I think when when Mello started taking off, um, RJ went down. So, sort of that was I think that was the peak of the hype in early December when Mello had those triple doubles. RJ wasn't out there playing for sure. Yeah, I mean, I remember being really excited for the the matchup between the two, and. Lamelo was really the the only one to to draw any attention in that game. So I mean, it, I don't blame I don't blame Hampton for it. I mean, he played well in the games I saw, but it's it's such a different role as you guys were saying. It it was hard to see, and I I do think that is one of the the negatives of of going over to any other league is you don't necessarily know if you're coming from America how much of a a role you'll get over there, whereas Lamelo obviously is a much bigger name. I think it would have been nice, nice to see RJ Hampton with more opportunity. And that also sort of comes down to the Next Stars program itself, where it's sort of the players that came over. They're sort of like assigned to a team, whereas those that ranked at the bottom of the league got first dibs on the players. So that's how uh, RJ ended up in New Zealand and Lamelo um, in Illawarra. Obviously, it turned out better for Melo in terms of um, experience with ball in hand, but not much in there now. Were either of those teams the ones that I know Lamelo's team was one of the worst in the league, and RJ's Hamptons team I only knew because Barstool Sports sponsored them. Honestly, so were both those teams? What was like? Were they like? I guess rep would be the best way to put it. Were they like? Where were they in the league landscape, so to speak? So I know you said they were towards the bottom, but prior to that, were they? Did they like? Did Terrence Ferguson play for either of these teams? Or uh, Terrence Ferguson played for Adelaide, and they've been um, 
a very solid team. I don't know whether you've heard of Joey Wright, but he's coached them. Um, stepped down after a few years now, but they've been a relatively successful team. But Illawarra's been a foundation team. They've been there since the league's inception, um, despite all the financial troubles that they've had in the league. So they've been there from the start. And that, they've been relatively success, successful in early times, not as much recently. Um, yeah, this was their second consecutive season, finishing on the bottom of the ladder or last in the standings. And New Zealand, they're usually a pretty competitive team. Um, but they're veteran-heavy team. They're sort of it's a bunch of guys that are lifers and sort of getting towards the back end of their career. So they're still sort of slowing down a bit. But they had a decent season this year. They're in contention for the finals for a lot of the time. Uh, unfortunately, they just couldn't get there in the end. Ned, uh, do you have a specific fandom? Is there one team you like more than the, the rest? Oh, yeah, I jumped on the new team that came into the league uh, this past season, the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix, and my man John Robertson, let's go! Oh, he's 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 incredible. It's, he puts on such a show. I love it. Um, I'm gonna digress real quick, Mike, if you don't mind. Talk about my boy John Ro- Robertson real quick. Uh, no, floor is yours. So I, Ned, I don't know if you ever heard of TBT slash the basketball tournament that we have over here. It's been going on. Um, for like four or five years now, every summer, it's jumped up to be a $2 million winner-take-all tournament. And a lot of guys that play – the reason I've watched so much NBL is because quite a few players, American players in the NBL, come and play in this tournament in the summer. So my team, Armored Athlete, we have John Roberson, we have Tariqa White, Casper um, Ware did play for a different team. Um, there's a bunch of guys from the NBL. So that was my main reason for getting into the NBL as much as I did this season. But yeah, Roberson's my guy. Yeah, it was his first year in the league and he came in and he set the record for most threes made in the 40-minute um, uh, game time era. So. Yeah, he led, uh, I think he was top five in like three categories this season because I'm putting together our, this is this is breaking news on draft season we haven't officially announced he's on armored athlete this season so i'm i'm setting that tweet up for later today so watch out for that here we go some breaking news <laughs> i love it especially after that failed attempt <laughs> that was amazing <laughs> uh but yeah so i wanted to get not to bring us back into topic um rj hampton so you mentioned he played kind of similar to what Frank had to go through in France where he's playing on a veteran laden team and there's not that not as much on him. I remember Eli Cohen did a very nice breakdown for the Knicks wall on him and he said at times he's very fast but he shoots wild shots. So what did you see from RJ? Do you think RJ is a lottery worthy pick and if the Knicks pick six through nine, is that somebody you would recommend them taking? I think in this draft where it's there's sort of no consensus number one pick, it might be worth having a punt or just taking a gamble on someone if you fell into that range. But, yeah, the breakdown was was pretty accurate. I think um, that was his biggest strength with he was very quick and agile, um, whether it was defensively getting under and around screens or offensively uh, beating his man or off the dribble or sort of blowing by a big on a, on a switch. But the shot selection, um, yeah, it's it's not... It's not great at times, but I think there is a lot there to work with in terms of IQ. And he's very comfortable coming out of the pick and roll, sort of taking those elbow jumpers 
going left or right. And he can attack downhill. He's decent around the rim, but more so just with a right hand at the moment. But um, I think, as I said, he didn't have that much responsibility with ball in hand. So he was actually fairly decent um, playing off the ball. So I think that's a, a positive thing that you'd be able to take from his experience down here. Interesting. So maybe he can play. I didn't ever thought... Me, I was thinking everyone keeps calling him Dante Exum just because he looks like him, I think, more than anything. But he really does. It's like absurd. He really looks like him. When I watched his high school tape, (laughs) I said this on the pod when Eli was on, that it did look like Exum, but he also didn't do anything but run past everybody and dunk. So kind of like the sample size is like really small on him pre-MBL. So hearing that he plays off the ball, that actually is a plus in my book. If he is off the ball, do you imagine him being kind of like a Frank in the sense that an athletic guy who can maybe sure up on defense because Eli said he did have lapses on defense? Do you think he has the tools to become a decent defender and maybe, you know, become an off-ball guard? Well, I'd firstly say that, yeah, I think from watching him, I didn't really know much about him before he came over, but watching him, I thought he kind of settled in naturally as a two-guard. But defensively, I think there is a lot to work with there. I think he's sort of a typical 18-year-old kid where they have those those sort of traits where um, they're when they're playing help defense, they're usually out of position and they'll be lasered in and focused in on their man rather than worrying about the team defensive content, concepts. But on ball, he was actually uh, very, very solid. Um, he's He has an issue with screens. I don't know whether that was just because New Zealand's scheme was all over the place, but... Um, He'd usually try and fight over screens, which wasn't con- smart considering he's a 6'5 and um, weighs next to nothing. But when he went decided to go under screens, he was able to recover um, and get into good defensive position. And then he also has active hands, and he's pretty smart with them. He doesn't overcommit. He's usually pestering the ball, waving his arms around, but uh, he's not overcommitting to, to commit fouls. And then I think sort of off ball, that's where most of the issues lie, but I think he can show up like Frank has and become a, a solid uh, point of attack defender. Interesting. I wonder. So I, you just improved my stock on RJ Hampton because after I spoke with Eli, it was pretty low in terms of like I wouldn't have taken him past 10, but now he's back on my radar for someone the Knicks should take. Shifting gears to LaMelo, we all know the good stuff. We've seen the highlights. We know the triple double game. That's probably like the only clip that's shared <laughs> these days. So you got to see him probably a little more than most. And Jess and Nick, please hop in because I'm sure you guys have seen him more than I have too. Because watching from clips is kind of like watching people's lives through Instagram. You can't really tell the full picture. You're only seeing the good stuff. So what were some warts in LaMelo's game? Just fire them away and then let's talk through it. Just defense as a whole. It just wasn't a thing for him. Just didn't happen. Yeah, it was it was it was pretty non-existent. It was not great, not a great look, and I and like no, noticeably so. Yeah, it wasn't even like anyone was trying to hide it. It was. Just <laughs> it looked like he was just going to save his energy for offense, like the LeBron thing where he just kind of like stood near the near center court and just kind of let the offense of the defense do whatever happens, and then he just focused on offense, or was he? just giving up after an initial effort type of thing. It's probably a combination of everything. Just he didn't, he wasn't really interested and then he wasn't, didn't really know the schematics of the defense and where it was meant to be and when he was meant to be there. So 
I don't know whether this is accurate, but I don't think for him it's ever been a requisite skill. Defense has always been pretty focused on offense. And you look at all the AEU footage, sort of seems where defense goes to die. So I don't think it's ever been a requirement for him. And I think it showed in his brief stint down here. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I saw him a couple of times in high school and then, you know, they were on television quite a bit. And that defensive scheme just had him kind of just waiting to leak out at the at the earliest possibility for for outlet passes and that that was it. That that was his role in, in defense in high school. Wow, I'm getting uh bad flashbacks to two K rec sessions where guards just do that. It's so annoying. But I think that's a reason why he's a good fit with New York. So I guess I want to just shift towards more Nick stuff. Do you think if you put LaMelo, we'll do LaMelo first. Do you think if you put LaMelo around an, a really good defender like Frank, a capable guy like RJ, and then obviously Mitch as a stopgap anchoring the defense, do you think that's enough to hide him? Or do you think he's that much of a liability right now where the defense will – struggle where it's almost a compromise that you're putting up with Lamelo's flashiness on offense for his poor defense. I think Mitch solves all of your problems just as a backstop to be there, to send everything into the stands. But uh, I'm not sure. I think he'll, when the time comes and he has to knuckle down and, and start playing defense, he'll he'll come to the realization that he has to. And um, I think it'll improve over time. But I think if you're surrounding with the good defenders or just capable defenders, you'll be able to cover up most of the holes in his defensive game. I mean, there's no way that no matter where Lamel goes, whoever he's playing with is going to allow him to not play defense the way he did in the NBL. Like, I just don't see that happening. That, that noticeable? I. Yes, it's very noticeable. I That's mean... Crazy. Yeah, it was it was bad, and so I just think there he'll have no choice but to improve on it, and and but to take it seriously, and uh, so yeah. I I think the problem with that Jess is just like we have almost literally no basis for what that will look like, because it's not like his earlier footage, you know, when he was playing in in Europe or or high school or AAU, wherever committed to defense now you know he's long and athletic right there's some raw tools that he he could have that that would translate to defense but there's I just I don't know why we would how we would even be able to attempt to project how he would play defensively locked in on a defensive scheme that actually is you know working with him Absolutely. I just think at, at the very minimum, there will there will at least be some effort put into it. We don't know what, like you said, we don't know what that looks like once that effort is put in, but at least it'll be something more than what we saw. Is team in the NBL a good defensive team or was it, I know they're one of the worst in the league, so probably not. But they were, Mike, they were, they were the worst team by, in the league. By considerable margin, I'm assuming, right? Uh, they were five and twenty three. Yeah, and my then team was nine wins. Yeah, the, so they were considerably worse. Yeah, nine and nineteen was the next team. He'll fit right in with New York, so that's a good one. But my fear with him <laughs> is not fear, but I get or excuse. I don't know how to frame it. Either way, I think he's developed a lot of bad habits defensively in terms of not trying at all. Because we saw the Chino Hill stuff, the ninety two point performance. Then he went to. 
was it Tur- Tur- Turkey or Lithuania? Lithuania. Yeah, Lithuania, where he was just not doing anything either. So that's my hope that he is just not tried in a while. So, um, so I just hope that that's the case. And when he comes to New York, he actually tries. But, uh, yeah, hopefully that's, that's all it is. It's a good point you make, though, that, um, it is an effort based thing and that he's never exuded any effort on that end. But, I think, like Nick said, there are some tools there, but it's just a matter of whether they'll ever actually come to fruition and make him a at least passable defensive player. But obviously, it can't get worse than Kevin Knox was. So <laughs> very true. It's a low bar to beat. <laughs> nah, I love him. He's Ned out here throwing shots. I love it. I love it. Oh, uh, also on Lamelo, just one last point on Lamelo. So the shot selection, he shot sub thirties from the floor total. He shot, I'm pretty sure, in the 20s for a three-point percentage. I'm just going straight off memory since I feel like I've been talking about him for three months. Is the shot selection, was it that bad, guys? Or was it more of just him having to do everything so it just looked worse? Uh, Well, he shot 25% from three, which is very flattering considering he started the season in the first five games making three of 24 from the relatively short three-point line. But... Uh, no, he didn't actually have to do everything. You know, he was playing with Aaron Brooks for a bit there before he did his Achilles. And then um, Illawarra had some serviceable point guards. Sunday Detch was um, considered for one of the most improved players in the league. And um, there's a few players from that team that actually represented Australia recently. So um, it wasn't a matter of him having to do everything. But, yeah, the shot selection wasn't great at the best of times. I think my concern based off what Ned was saying there and just in general and, you know, the more I'm talking about him here, the the more I'm actually talking myself out is just because these things are reinforced over, you know, there's such bad habits with the shot selection in particular that have been reinforced in every basketball game he's played for the last five years, right? Like I, you want to just say, well, he'll – He'll get to the NBA and he'll start, you know, watching his shots and not just pulling from 40 feet away. But has there been a point where LaMelo has been in the the public eye playing basketball and and not just shooting wherever he touches the ball? That's my fear where he just thinks it's a big show. But part of me also thinks it's like when he gets to the NBA, it's like, all right, this is it's time to show up. Maybe that's just hopeful thinking more than anything else. But I know what you get with him where he is going to take weird shots. I mean, Trey Young kind of does this for Atlanta where he'll get a rebound and occasionally he'll just pull it up like he's Steph and it's an awful miss. So I guess it's kind of buyer beware type of thing. So not to put you guys on the spot, does LaMelo's risk-taking with shots, does that trouble you more than Killian Hayes' problem, which is forcing passes that may not be there yet because that seems to be the two guards Knicks fans are fixated on I know the team has LaMelo I mean uh, uh, Cole Anthony on their radar but I think Killian and LaMelo is kind of like the the argument we're going to get towards once draft season really ramps up so which vice are you willing to die with? I'm not really that worried about Melo's shot selection uh, when it comes to him being the NBA I think 
he's unselfish enough and he's smart enough to know that um, at the moment he can't shoot the ball. So the mentality that he is a shooter should hopefully die. And I think he's smart enough to know that he, he'll need to um, make his bones being a playmaker and a passer rather than a shooter when he comes into the league. Yeah, I I really hope that's because a lot of people think he's going to be a mega-sized Trey Young. I think Trey Young, people are discrediting how good a shooter Trey Young is. His shooting percentage is a little, um, it could trick you because he shoots poorly, but he's also shooting 10,000 shots a game. So with LaMelo, I think, I think you're right where it's just going to be, he's going to have to be more of the facilitator to really make it work. And I think that's exactly what the Knicks need. So, uh, I think also he's a he's a right-handed Ben Simmons, so it's just him shooting is not going to be viable. You just look at the elbow; it's it's not in the correct place. So, you know, Jim had taught me that you have to follow beef, balance eye, elbow, and follow through, and uh, Melo doesn't really do any of that. Yeah, yeah, I see. Ned gets it. I judge everyone off Clay Thompson. So if you don't, the further you look from Clay Thompson, the the less I believe in your shooting ability. Well, surprisingly, when he was shooting off catch and shoots, he was actually not that bad. He was in the sixty seventh percentile, so it was it was it was capable in that sense. And in that setting, his base was more set than it was when he was taking his horrible shots off the dribble, where it was nothing was consistent. I hope the structure of the NBA kind of helps him out, but I, like I said, I think it comes with the territory. I think he is going to have those moments of freelancing. And I guess just one last question on his offense. Did he ever, like when you guys watched him, was he ever killing the team where in the sense that when his shot wasn't on, he kind of kept forcing it? Or was he cognizant of like, okay, my shot's not falling. Let me just focus on dishing the ball more. I think in the early games, that was an issue where I think he was trying to make a statement and make an impact right away. And he didn't didn't want to let the team down or himself down. Uh, and he was sort of forcing shots in those early games. But by the time his brief stint came to an end and those the triple double games which went viraling, his shot selection was better and he wasn't forcing things as much. Nice. Um yeah, Jess, Nick, you have any other questions for Ned? Because he's been extremely helpful helping us figure out what these two top prospects are gonna be because like we said, the sample sizes across this draft are extremely small, so any expert advice we can get on this is huge. I think I've got everything covered. Jess, Nick, if you have anything else, the floor is yours. Yeah. I mean, I know we, we talked about it a little earlier. This, there's not really a consensus across this board, but where is LaMelo on – if you were to have your own big board, is he your top prospect? Yes. I've bought into the hype. I've fallen into the trap. So, um, but yeah, I've just, <laughs> I'm in love with the passing and the playmaking. And, um, yeah, I think I'm, I'm solid on that point. I'm glad you, you, you have hammered that in today because I, I do think we are so quick to associate him with the pointing to the half-court line and pulling up kind of shooting that his passing has almost become underrated because he is really a fantastic passer. He's a special passer. He's, he's very he's very talented. It's He anticipates where teammates are going to be. He puts the ball in front and then um, he's good enough to to run a half-court offense and he's smart enough to know where to put the ball in those situations. and. I think he's more than just a flashy open court playmaker and player, and uh, although those passes in the open court are pretty, pretty entertaining. Kind of, I've talked myself into it too. I'm still Team Killian, but in the last few months, just kind of talking through it with Jess, Nick, and 
everybody else in the TKW slot and now Ned imparting his wisdom. I think I've reached the point where as long as it's Killian or LaMelo or next boy, Denny, I think I'll be very happy. Oh, admittedly, I haven't looked into much many of the prospects in depth as of yet, seeing as the draft is now meant to be in, what, four months' time. So, that's it. yeah, the 25th hour. Yeah, I think September. Going I think. Up, yeah. um, I've only sold myself on a few prospects, which is oh, yeah. and, a good thing for me. Yeah, and we'll have plenty of time to catch up on all of them, and this podcast will start doing, pro- like, specific pro, uh, prospect breakdowns as we get closer to the draft. So hopefully we can have you on for a couple of those in the future. But uh, anything to plug? I was just going to say, if you want to have me on in the future, I'm more than happy to talk about Josh Green. So oh. That's my boy. Cons- and for people listening, just to see the dedication of Ned. Ned, what time is it in Australia right now? Uh, 7.39 a.m. We got up at 6.30. <laughs> on a Saturday, right? It's Saturday there? Yeah. Yeah, Saturday morning. <laughs> Yeah, that that is dedication, and it will always be rewarded. You are welcome back anytime. Do you have uh, anything to plug? Before you do, though, make sure you throw Ned a follow. We'll include it on the blog post that when we send this out, but make sure to give Ned a follow at N-E-D, his first name, 7821. So make sure you go give Ned a follow. He's been more than helpful this pod, and we'll try and get him on as much as possible. Uh, no, I don't have anything to plug. I wouldn't even plug my Twitter. It's mostly nonsense on there about Australian rules football and <laughs> other useless Oh, I'm smashing so. that follow button, Ned. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh, I do have anything to plug. It's make sure you tune into some AFL when it returns on the 11th. Consider it done. Uh, Nick, anything to plug? you have any pr- uh, prospect profiles or pieces coming up? Yeah, again, we're still two weeks out on the Denny profile. Uh, I'm waiting on that. But I'm I'm putting in more research to this than I think any any project I've ever written on, so I'm pretty excited for for when that comes out and to talk on the pod about it as well. I don't think I've been more excited for something since Endgame. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jess, anything to plug? Um, well, I will say since I brought it up earlier, there will be basketball this summer, folks. TBT is happening. Um. Give my squad armored athlete a follow. It's in my bio. Um, but yeah, we will. Uh, we'll see what happens. We're trying to go for that money again this year. Yeah. I do. You have a gift version of you uh, slapping the uh, team name on the board. That was so funny. <laughs> That's like one of my favorite. Moments. Slapping the. T- <laughs> so I. I don't know. I'll have to make one. There's also. <laughs> I don't know if there's video of it anywhere, but uh, so they. The NCAA tournament stole this from them with like the big bracket, which they stole from Karate Kid, where we placed the team names mm-hmm. up. And our first year, it was like up on the wall, and we were like the second slot up from the bottom. Mm-hmm. And so they didn't give us a ladder right away, and they were trying to get me to put it on, and I couldn't reach, and it was <laughs> the worst moment of my life. <laughs> no, because I forgot. I don't know where I saw that. <laughs> it was a video, obviously. But I saw you slap. Uh, yeah, I think it was in one of TBT's videos that they yeah, put that out. Yeah, but it wasn't you. It wasn't your Twitter account. But I wasn't expecting. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, is that Jess? <laughs> and I saw armored. Athlete. Yeah, there's some there's some clips, uh, you know, on ESPN of your girl giving them the three goggles. It's I get I get rowdy. There on we the go. Now definitely be on the lookout for that, and especially this year where sports has kind of been dormant because of the current situation. Hopefully, NBA is coming back soon, but. I will definitely be tuning into that and be a armored athlete 
What do you, what, what's yeah, we need to get our uh, we need to get our followers up because they've shrunk down the uh, amount of teams they're having. They're only doing twenty four teams, so we got to show them that we have a strong fan base. So I need TKW to show out for us. Do you have any like uh, like are your followers called anything funny like a uh, like an army? No, we don't. We don't have it. That's the, <laughs> the what? The armor. The armors. The yeah. Nah, uh, we're we're gonna have to try to think of something. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, because what. Is your, is your home stadium called the Armory? <laughs> oh, that'd be great if we had one. If we had one, it would have to be called the Armory for that's sure. Fire. That's the, the, the team in Brisbane. They're the bulletin there. All our stadiums have stupid little nicknames. No, I love that. That's yeah. why I miss about 2K. 2K used to be able to name, like, uh, I called mine the Thunderdome. It's kind of corny, but still. But just, like, funny names like that, because I feel like that's cooler than saying, like, oh, I got to play in the Chase Center tomorrow. Versus like, yeah, I got to go to the Armory. Like we're playing in the Alamo. Like the Alamo was a great name. Why did they get rid of that? Ned, how are? Oh, yeah. Uh, I was just curious ahead, how Jeff. the like the atmosphere is at at the games. Like you can only see so much like on the Facebook videos and stuff like that. Oh uh, well, this this season was the there were like record numbers tuning into games and then also fan attendance as well. I think so. South East Melbourne, that's the new team in there third game in the club's history that had the biggest attendance in Melbourne uh, for a basketball game in six years, and that was just to see Lamello. So the atmosphere was pretty pretty rowdy uh, at the best of times. You know, Saturday nights, Friday nights, uh, things were kicking off. It's, it's in Richmond, so there's plenty of um, pubs and bars to go to pre- and post-game. So, yeah, it was uh, pretty loud in there at times. Nice. Also, I want—I forgot to bring this up. I wonder because the past couple of seasons, teams have come over and and played preseason games versus the NBA, and I wonder if having this new G League thing is kind of like that was clearly a response to guys going to the NBL. So I wonder if they're going to continue having a relationship like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I think the agreement is in place for a few more years at least, well, pending um, COVID nineteen, right? considering travel bans and all that True. sort of stuff. But um, I know the owner of the NBL is very intent on growing the game and I think he owns a, he owns the league and then he owns two teams. So he's invested in making this thing work. So I think he'll try and keep getting teams over there, even if it's just for a few games. For sure. I, I hope the NBL is able to, to keep growing. I know – I went to college in the Mountain West, and we have a ton of, of Australian players. And, you know, we've had a few at Boise State, New Mexico, which has a couple Australian players. And then it feels like they all go back to the NBL. So I, I would like to see the league keep going for, for the sake of development over there too. Yeah, I feel like Australia is definitely – I put like Australia, Spain, France. Those are all like on the same level of rivalries in terms of like when the U.S. plays – like in the FIBA or Olympics, which now are going to be pushed back till next year. So I I have hope in the NBL. From what I've heard now, I kind of want to watch it a lot more. So I'll be on the lookout for that. But uh, yeah, so until next time, make sure you are following Ned, Jess, and Nick. Make sure you're following me at Cortezera. And of course, make sure you're following the Knicks wall at the Knicks wall. Uh, Dylan Bird actually just put out a great piece on Devin Vassell from florida state so make sure you check that out my killian hayes profile is up and nick's denny's profile is two weeks away and we will have a big rollout whole hollywood thing 
It'll be fun. <laughs> Until next time, folks. <laughs>